0: Bigs time. Bigs with Mully and Haw. Bigs time. The Bigs Report with Brad Bigs. Bigs time. Bigzy. His name is Brad Bigs. Brad Bigs talks football with you. <laughs> Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. Brad Bigs, the football man of the Chicago Tribune, a long time contributor to the station and a valued friend. And he joins us now on the Signature Bank Score hotline, Signature Bank Making Commercial Banking Personal. Big Zay. Morning, Brad. Morning, boys. What's going on? Well, um, obviously the Bears have a new team president, and uh, and he will be introduced uh, on uh, on Tuesday, I believe. But we've already heard from uh, some of the uh, – the key figures, Kevin Warren, leaving the Big Ten commissioner's role to be the president of the Bears. Uh, What is your take on that? Any surprise to you? Do you believe it's the right hire?
1: No, I don't think there's any surprise because when you heard his name out there as a candidate, you looked at it and you said, well, here's a guy who uh, has some unique qualifications, spent uh, a long period of time with a team that built a new stadium, and and, uh, actually built a new uh, uh, facility as well, a headquarters. The Bears don't need one of those. They've got one of the nicer ones in the National Football League. They are in need of a new stadium in Arlington Heights. And while Kevin Warren uh, didn't spearhead that project, he was no doubt involved. I think Lester Bagley was the guy in Minnesota that sort of oversaw the uh, push to eventually get the Vikings in U.S. Bank Stadium and out of uh, the Metrodome. But it the level Kevin was at, clearly he played a role in it. And then in talking to people in Minnesota, one of the things that he did do was a ton of work uh, on sponsorship deals. You know, they they've got a bank with its name, on the stadium uh, with other major sponsorship deals that uh, wound up making the Wilf family, the ownership group in Minnesota, uh, loads and loads of money. So you've got a guy who can come in and hit the ground running at Hollis Hall as the Bears pursue a move to Arlington Heights, and he knows how to navigate these circles. He knows how to navigate the National Football League, I think 22 seasons uh in the NFL. So a lot of experience that um can like I said, he just he gets going right away. This isn't someone who's new to football but has worked in professional sports or has been involved in a major construction project but is new to the National Football League. Um this guy uh is gonna have contacts and um and ought to be able to lead the Bears Into the future uh, that involves, uh, obviously, a new stadium. That's the plan, right?
2: That has got to be priority one, Brad. But it's not all that he will be in charge with doing. He comes in as the team president, replacing Ted Phillips. If you had to write out what the job description was for the team president of the Chicago Bears and how involved that person may or may not be with the rest of the operation, the football operation, if you will, How would you describe the job and also the hierarchy now in the way that you understand it?
1: Yeah, now it's back to the uh, general manager reporting to the team president who reports to George McCaskey. They had uh, sort of altered that um, tree, if you will, in the past uh, 12 months. It had always gone that way through Ted Phillips and then to – Uh, George McCaskey, and and in the past year, they had Ryan Poles reporting uh, directly to George, maybe because they knew it was uh, Ted's final year. Uh, But it sounds like football stuff will now go through Kevin Warren, which that is going to be new for him. In Minnesota, I think he clearly was qualified to become uh, the team president of the Vikings, but the Wolf family um wanted to have a separation between the business side of their operation and the football side of their operation. so Kevin Warren uh got up to the c o o level which was basically putting him over the business side but in 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 the Vikings organization anyway there is a um, there is a dividing line between uh business and football at House Hall, it, it's all going to funnel up um, into the one silo. Uh,
0: you know, Dustin is wondering uh, if there will be any football decisions made by Kevin Warren. I, I think that uh, we'll learn more about the entirety of his role, but I would imagine that that uh, he fits into the hierarchy ahead of the general manager, but they will allow – Ryan posed to do his job of putting together a football team.
1: Yeah, we got to wait to hear on this, but I would imagine you, the, you you empower your general manager to run your football operation. You know, I don't I don't think Ted was, you know, actually making a lot of football decisions uh at House Hall. Now Ted was uh certainly heavily heavily involved in search processes that hired uh, general managers and coaches for the bears. But I don't think Ted was uh, putting in his two cents on free agency uh, or the draft. And and I can't imagine uh, that Kevin's going to be in a position to do that. At least anytime uh, soon, you you want your football people uh, to run your football operation. And, And as I said, in Minnesota, there was a there was a, 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 a dividing line between their business operation at the Vikings and, and the football operation.
2: I'm sure Tuesday at noon, Brad, Kevin Warren will be asked about his stated ambition or presumed ambition that he wants to one day be the NFL commissioner. To me, I think it's like worrying about Luke Gessie becoming a head coach before he's a good offensive coordinator. If that's a, a position that he finds himself in in five years, three years, Great. That means he did a, uh, he did his job in Chicago. What is your understanding, number one, of his ambition, and how do you feel about him coming to Chicago? If indeed he still wants one day to be the NFL commissioner.
1: Yeah, I've got no idea. I mean, I've never spoken to the guy, so I'm not going to pretend to have any um, any knowledge of what his ambition or goals are. Uh, Kevin Warren's 59 years old. Roger Goodell is 63 currently, and it would be my opinion that um the n f l owners would be looking for someone uh younger than goodell uh w- when they get around to hiring a new commissioner which which I don't believe is gonna happen anytime soon. I don't think uh that they would look for some um candidate that was that was only uh four years uh goodell's junior that that just doesn't um really make a lot of sense the the next move you would think they would make for a commissioner would be trying to uh, identify uh, somebody that could come in and and be in the role for, you know, a decade plus. Goodell's been there uh, quite a long time.
0: You know, one of the things that we talked about is that, you know, obviously um, uh, Ed McCaskey is gone. Virginia McCaskey just celebrated her 100th birthday. Her children are... uh, are the owners of the team and the, the grandchildren of uh, of George Hallis. and uh, and obviously they um, they are still in ownership. We keep hearing rumors about who could be the next owner. When will the Bears sell? Will the, will it last to the the great grandchildren who would be I believe um, you know forty plus in number at this point. Um what are what is your take on how long this job will be for Kevin Warren and do you think he had to talk about that with George before accepting the position?
1: Yeah, I would think Kevin Warren would want to know what ownership plans are uh for the uh, immediate future and then down the road a little bit. Those are natural questions when you talk especially when you talk about a guy who, you know, left a pretty good job, right? At the big 10 office Uh, where he got a lot done, I'd want to have some clarity in terms of um, the direction of the organization. And um, those are questions that are kind of going to uh, be there for the Bears until they they do announce like, hey, this is clearly uh, our direction. This is what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, everything that they say publicly is that they plan to Uh, maintain uh, control uh, of the organization for an awful long time.
2: So, Brad, we know that Justin Fields and Kevin Warren have a history. Kevin Warren canceled football in 2020. Justin Fields led a player revolt, uh, and it was reinstated for a lot of different reasons, but that relationship has come now under a a microscope a little bit. I've been told that they, they smooth things over, and it's fine, How amusing do you find that? And what do you know about, um, how much does that even matter at this point? Yeah, I don't
1: think, I don't think Justin Fields, um, it's going to hold against him personally, you know, just, Justin Fields has got a ton on his plate, uh, for, for 2023, um, with the opportunity in front of him and the improvements that he's got to make that, um. You know, I think he'll be fully supported by the by the new team president, and uh, I, I think it's probably r- really a non-story right here. You know, the, Kevin Warren made a decision, and fortunately, the Big Ten was able to uh, get back out on the football field during that difficult uh, time. But that's that's really a, a non-story right here, in, in my opinion, anyway.
0: Brad, um, you know, obviously we are following, monitoring everything going on with the draft. Dan Pompey told us yesterday that at this point, and obviously it's very early in the process, he doesn't believe that a, uh, a quarterback has emerged as the number one overall selection in the draft and that the Bears may have to stay where they're at and take a defensive player as opposed to trading down to do such a thing. Um Obviously, this will change, and you only need one one scout, one general manager to fall in love with the player to create a market but are you hearing similar things that at this point um we don't know for certain that there will be a huge market for that pick,
1: but does Dan realize you're not allowed to present that idea on social media right now? Like that—that's taboo. I I hope. I hope Dan's uh, only on radio.
2: Is it allowed, Brad? You speaking from experience, Brad? Yeah. (laughs) No, I think
1: uh, I think that's a a good point. And of of course, the Bears are going to have to be prepared to take a player with the first pick in the draft. There's no guarantee that this uh, trade down is is coming or happening. Quarterback need. Uh, is not a new thing uh and you you don't see that number one pick traded that often i think i want to say there's like four examples in the last twenty years i'd have to go back and look it up it hasn't happened uh a ton and for a variety of reasons sometimes the team sitting there needs a quarterback um sometimes the prospects aren't overwhelming to the point that a team would want to trade up. Sometimes the price to trade up uh is prohibitive. Sometimes the price to trade up isn't worth uh what teams uh view the value of the prospect to be. And at this point there is not a uh conclusive number one pick. Okay. Trevor Lawrence isn't working out right now, uh waiting to be uh the, the pick Uh, that's at the top of the draft class. There's not an Andrew Luck. Is there a possibility that uh, we look at one of these guys and one of them emerges as that player uh, in the pre-draft process? Absolutely possible. But no question, um, the Bears have to be prepared to use the pick. And you know what? I'd probably spend more time on that than going over – potential trade down scenarios right now because you're, you're scouting uh, at that pick better be on point. Uh, You better know everything you possibly need to know about that player. And then you deal with the, the trade down possibilities as uh, as they come your way. If they come your way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like people have concluded that uh, this pick will definitively be traded and will be traded for some just um insane bounty of picks and and uh um all pro players and I I don't think um that's uh, a given at this point and and I would tend to uh agree with Mr. Pompei
2: to your point in the 25 years this is a big sample size since 1997 the number one overall pick has been traded three times before the draft if you count Eli Manning being drafted by the Chargers and traded to the Giants yeah, that would be count. four yeah well okay fine yeah. well let's we won't quibble about that Brad the point is three times since 1997 the number one overall pick has been traded 97 2001 and 2016 which was the big uh, the Goff. most recent one Jared Goff in that deal so it's the exception it's not the rule right and it but you, you would never know that if you were just kind
1: of listening to the narrative uh, that's out there right now, um, how many out of those 25 years, and there'd be no way of knowing how many times were there um, legit, uh, reasonable offers that teams got to trade the pick. And they said, Hey, you know, uh, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the call. Uh, you gave us something to consider here, but we're going to stay put. I we There's no, absolutely no way of knowing um, it's possible the bears have options. I, I, I do know this, if they don't have options to trade that one, there will be a, a whole slew of uh, trade down opportunities throughout the rest of the draft forum to add more uh, draft capital, but, but they better, they better operate as if they're going to have that pick and they're going to use that pick and they better have answers on every guy that could potentially uh, be selected with that pick
0: yeah you know we were having an interesting conversation yesterday because when you think about it you got two kind of premier defensive players at the top of the draft you got will anderson the the uh the pass rusher and you got the uh the the three technique guy the guy that could step in and uh and jalen carter and be that engine that you heard the the coach talk about which of those are the more valuable position wouldn't you Mm -hmm. want Will Anderson as a pass rusher over a defensive tackle, especially if you could sign someone to help at defensive tackle somehow in free agencies, there could, there's a couple of guys that could be available. I think the
1: more difficult one to find is the three technique tackle. I think they're a little more scarce. Uh, You could, you could probably have a good discussion on which one is more valuable, but those, those guys are really hard to find and not every defense, you know, is is in a uh, front that that really um, places a super high value on that guy. Uh, the the previous uh, defense that, that Vic Paggio used, you know, you're taking a a three technique and you're finding a, a slightly different home for him where his skill set can still be an effective player. But um, you've you've got to look at uh, at your options, and and you're right that free agency could shape. Uh, the direction and the avenues they go down uh, in the draft. If you can, if they can get a Duran Payne out of Washington in free agency with a contract that'll be uh, almost certainly north of twenty million dollars a season, then you kind of you check that box right there, and you can go the pass rusher route. I don't know that Payne will make it to the open market, and if he does make it to the open market, there will be uh, probably multiple teams willing to pay him just about uh, whatever he wants. So then you got to recruit him and talk him into uh, taking the paycheck uh, from you. But um, it's, it's a good conversation. It's, it's almost, uh, it's almost a toss up to me, Molly, when you talk about that, that three technique position and the edge rusher Um, you, you want, you, you have to, hit a home run with this pick if you're picking there okay you absolutely have to do that so i think you're going with the. in this situation you'd be going with the better player
2: it is a good conversation it's going to continue i also want to get back at some point brad we can't do it today we're out of time but like i don't necessarily agree with you that the bears should be motivated they have to be prepared but i would think that if they had their druthers they would trade down not make the pick I don't think Stanley well, pat uh, helps them get better over the long it's haul. It's so
0: complicated because you know there are a lot of teams that need a quarterback. There are also quarterbacks that are gonna be moving around the league, right? So what you don't know. You've, veteran, you've, that's yes. the first that's the first box you're gonna be looking at. Right. Yeah, you know, which team takes care of that need with
1: a veteran, with yep. a with the car? What what happens with Tom Brady? Mm-hmm. Where does Jimmy Garoppolo go? Um so that that's going to be interesting. And then you're going to have some of these quarterback-needy teams, guys, that will look at where they're at, will evaluate the possibilities this year, understand what it might or might not take to trade up to get the guy and say, you know what, we're going to come up with this bridge option. We like the 24 class of quarterbacks yes. better.
0: Yes, that's a possibility too. and And, you know, the only – the only thing that would prevent that, Brad, is you may like that class better, but you may not have a job when that right, class comes be to out. Draft it's, the guy. Exactly,
2: you fired. It's, it's how, right? I mean, it's
1: how much time do you feel that you have? Right. You know, look right. at, go back and look at what the Bears did with Ryan Pace when they they took their time until they got to that draft, where they then were motivated to get a quarterback, and they were picking so high that they they couldn't uh, let it go one more year. You know, they knew that they had the benefit of time. Uh, So some teams may be in a similar position. Some may be, hey, you got to get this thing figured out uh, pronto.
0: Great stuff, Brad. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. Have a great weekend, guys. That is our guy, Brad Biggs, the football man from the Chicago Tribune. 312 644 67 67. It's Mully and Hall
3: on the score. I just like football guys doing the football stuff. That's just my personal opinion.
0: <laughs> Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6 7 to the score. That I, is the voice of Dave Wanstead. He's our football
2: guy. Dave's a great man. You gotta love that. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. His perspective is valuable, though, because he's been, he's been on both sides of that. He's been the personnel guy. He's been the football coach. He's worked with team presidents. He knows where the line is and how it must be respected. But I think it's overstated if you're worried about Kevin Warren going in there and saying, you need to take Bryce Young. You need to take Jalen Carter. No, that's not going to happen. 312 644 670 score. Cool. Can I get your perspective on something before we get to the callers cuz I think we want to get a couple calls here. We mentioned the the four times since 97 the number one overall pick was traded. The fourth time being yeah, uh, Eli Manning. I don't know if you doesn't matter if you count that or not. It's rare. As we said, it is the exception not the rule. Any of those examples stand out to you as being particularly reckless or particularly uh something that that it, so those teams regret with it, Jared Goff trade. It worked out, right? Yeah, they won. They for everybody. They, they won a Super Bowl if they're trading him for that quarterback. But let's go to the most recent. They so got to a Super Bowl. It's 2016. Them. The Rams moved up, right? Yeah, and they uh, trade two. They they traded the 15th overall pick, two second round picks in 2016, a third round pick in 2016, and a 2017 first round pick, and a 2017 third round pick for the number one overall selection, a fourth and a sixth. That's a lot. Mm. So that's what I mean when I say – Well, what was the – I mean, I I guess the Trey Lance trade
0: was for a third overall pick, um, but they gave up three number ones in that deal.
2: 49ers traded the 12th overall pick, theirs, and two future first-round picks to move up to get Trey Lance. Yes. So that's the key thing. Two future first-round picks. So if you're Ryan Poles, and that's the only reason I'm saying this is that, yeah, you want to be prepared. Yes, you've got to be right. ready to take that pick, make that make that selection, Mully. But I think that if you if you had your druthers, you'd say, "Wow, I want this to multiply into something that secures us for the best possible future."
0: And I just I'm trying to remember who Miami
2: took. Did Miami take that 12th pick? And they used it to trade up for um, the Dolphins. used those three first-round picks, and they drafted Jalen Waddle, and they traded yes. for Tyree Kill and Bradley Chubb.
0: But they, they traded up with that with that twelfth pick to yes. get to six to take uh, Waddle, Waddle, and then they then they used the other two picks to get
2: they put huge in the bank This is our and, draft
0: bank, and they're still going to lose in the playoffs because <laughs> they got to go to but Buffalo. And two is not, but available. they got there. Yes,
2: with the first-year head coach. And the future does look bright, I would think, because of that. I would say so. They made good use of their capital. They made great use of their position. Are they in the market for a
0: quarterback, too?
2: (sighs) Depends on what happens tomorrow, but I think with Tua out when you need him and because of his uncertainty with the concussion future, absolutely they're in the market for a quarterback. Where's Tom Brady going to play next year?
0: Well, that they, they lost their first-round pick this year for trying to get Tom Terrific to go there.
2: You said something going into break. I think we were off the air. But where Derek Carr goes this offseason is going to have a big effect and big impact on what the Bears do yes. and how they think about that first overall pick and who might be willing to trade with them. Derek Carr is driving this discussion. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at a
0: story from um, The Athletic. What are you laughing?
2: At? Just my stupid pun that went right over your head.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I was reading this story while you were speaking. That's okay. I knew what we were talking <laughs> I know, about. I know. Can you repeat it? And I'll. I laugh? just
2: said Derek Carr is going to drive this discussion. Oh, I sorry. It doesn't really bear Damn repeating. It, it's batted bad. up the first time. You
0: you towed me <laughs> once and you towed me again. I don't know why I can't pick up on it. Um. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the phone lines. Paris is on the Odyssey app.
4: <laughs> hey, Paris. How are you, you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Good. Good. Uh, um, I don't know what has been said, but um, being as a black Chicago Bears fan, I want to applaud the McCaskies by, uh, you know, letting the league know, like, you know, for a lot of years we've been getting this thing wrong, and we might not have been having the best track record ourselves and giving minorities a chance if they're, you know, qualified for the job. So, you know, I want to shout them out for that. Um, another thing, I think uh, fluce is doing good, but it's kind of hard to watch the and Peterson, both in the playoffs, guys, we could have had. Uh, Justin Fields, he's our guy. He's our number one player. He's our franchise. I think old tackle, the best left tackle in the draft, is more valuable than an edge rusher in the tackle, especially we can't protect at all. And V-Hop uh, is out there. I don't know what it takes. We've got right. a lot of drafts. we got a lot of money. Go get him. Right. Thanks, um, Paris. Good phone call. Yeah,
0: and, and I mean, you think about it, Paris. So, you know, the Bears have hired their first black president. They have a black general manager. They have a black assistant general manager. They've got a black quarterback,
2: and they made history with Lovey Smith. Yes, because they were well. One of, they actually they made, got to the Super Bowl. With, was
0: it Willie Thrower? Who was the who was the player that was the first ever black quarterback in the NFL? Was a Chicago Bear, I believe, back in the day. Uh, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, Willie Throw. That's a, good, that's a good name. So there's a lot of precedent there for this unprecedented move yeah. in terms of organizationally, yes, yeah, something to be proud of. Uh, I, I, uh, one also, he said about the left tackle being more valuable than the edge rusher and the defensive tackle. That's a, long, that, that's a debate that could go on for months, years. I don't know that I agree, and I think it depends on the draft class. Mm-hmm. I think if you've got Orlando Pace at the top of that draft, absolutely that's a case. You can make that argument. This year, Peter Skronsky might be the first left tackle off the board, the Northwestern kid, versus Will Anderson. With due respect to Peter Skronsky, a local guy that would be a great story if he ends up in Chicago, I'd take Will Anderson.
0: Yeah, I I think, um, I mean, Paris is right. The Bears need better protection. Um, I saw that PFF listed uh, Braxton Jones as their 12th rookie this year. I think that's awful high. Um, he did play in every game, and he played every snap, I believe. But I I, I don't know. I mean, he made this: make another step. You
2: watched every snap of every game. Yes. As we both did. And yes. we watch a lot of NFL. Did Braxton Jones' performance scream at you that he's one of the top 12 rookies in the league? No. Thanks. I just... No. These numbers, no. these analytics, I, I, yeah. I know... They mean well, and sometimes they're used to, to prop people up and maybe make evaluations where you tear people down. But I think sometimes you have to take them with a grain of salt, and this is one of those times.
0: It's, it's the old, uh, you know, three guys are taking target practice. One guy misses by three feet. Next guy comes up, misses by three feet the other way, and the third guy jumps up and down. I got a bullseye. <laughs> that's, uh, Thank you. That's for Dan Bernstein. Let's get back to the phone lines. Frank is in Mendoza. Hi, Frank. Hey, Molly. How you doing? Good, buddy. Good. Big, big, uh, anybody that went to Quigley
4: South High School, I got to listen to every morning. All right. Sure. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> Go and be a fisher of men.
3: <laughs> hey, my question is, after listening to you and Brad Biggs, um, when do players hit free agency? Is it before the draft? You know, the guys that get... Yes. Uh, yeah. It's after the, the season
0: before the draft. I, I, what is the exact date? There's the calendar is out we'll, when the league we'll, calendar begins yeah we'll look we'll look that up for you but it, it is, it's pre-draft so you you know you make your moves in the uh free agent market it can set you up for the draft and uh you know it, it just underscores what you're going to need in the draft
2: yeah, it doesn't dictate it, but it certainly would influence right. it. You don't want to draft because of need, yes. but teams do that all the time.
0: Yeah, and, and the, you know, the first round of free agency, you're, you're paying through the nose, usually to make up for a, a draft miss.
2: It's- NFL free agency officially opens March 15th. Okay. The tampering period, I think, begins March 13th. So that week is when you want to pay attention to exactly how Ryan Poles begins to spend the small fortune that he has to spend.
0: Let's try Joe Joe's in Aurora. Hey Joe.
3: Hey, guys, love your show. I wanted to make a comment here. I think the Bears were better off keeping the second pick because I think they know they need defense. So, if they were to keep the pick, they would pick defense. But if they would have if they would have had the second pick, I think they would have had the same good offers like when they drafted Trey Lance a couple years ago. That's my comment. Thank you guys for having me.
2: Thank okay. you for making the call. I could not Thanks, disagree God. more. <laughs> you always want to have the best possible value and be in the most enviable spot in the draft. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: I, I, listen. I think, though, to underscore his point, the reality is there are players in every round of the draft. There have been undrafted free agents, John Randall, who have been Hall of Fame players. You you can find players if you know what you're looking at and if you're good enough at that job absolutely so, true
2: absolutely true yeah that's I, a good point
0: but I but, but it is you, you are more likely to get the best player when you have well let's the just pick. close
2: the loop because of the first yeah. overall pick we talked about coming in with the Rams traded the in the golf trade as as the Titans as our guy Ryan Porth points out in texting texting me here yep they parlayed that number one pick into Jack Conklin Derek Henry Corey Davis and Janu Smith wow Okay, that's a pretty good haul.
0: Yes, all right.
2: And so, when you look at what the the capability of a good general manager to take advantage of that number one pick and to multiply it into players that will gonna make your franchise different, that's why you want to be at the top, not number two. All right, we've
0: got to get to Joe Fortenbaugh. We're gonna find out who's gonna win these playoff games. I can't wait to learn if uh, if the Minnesota Vikings are going to be <laughs> huge winners, as somebody predicted earlier. Or if uh, maybe that's going to be more competitive than uh, than indicated, <laughs> like we'll you talk to Joe. Predicted. <laughs> well, I don't know. I I kind of I'm turning on that I'm turning on myself a little bit, but uh, but hopefully Joe will will straighten this out. It's Mullion Hall on the score.
2: Derek Carr is driving this discussion.
0: Kelly Ed Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 score. Joe Fortenbaugh is our man in Vegas. You see him all over the four-letter network. And obviously, he is a very salubrious, well-dressed, very healthy individual. And you see him weeknights uh, at uh, at 5 o'clock. Uh, always fun to see the daily wager with our guy, Joe Fortenbaugh. And he joins us on the Signature Bank Score hotline. Signature Bank making Commercial, banking, personal. Joe, we brag to people about how we know you. It's wonderful. Thank you. I
3: mean, I got to tell you, Phyllis, I I know you've been talking about this all week. I I know you have, but my God, what were the Houston Texans doing last week? (laughs) I couldn't couldn't stop thinking about the opportunity to speak with you guys on Friday. I I kept thinking, I can't believe it's going to be five days. What are the Texans doing? Credit to the Bears. Did exactly what they needed to do understood the situation and the assignment. But old Lovey Smith apparently still has some love for his good friends in Chicago, converting fourth and 12, fourth and 20, and then he goes forward on two. Like, what are you guys thinking as you're watching that?
2: That he knows he's getting fired, that he's going for two, <laughs> and he's going down swinging.
3: I mean, yeah, that's, uh, I, I just can't imagine being Houston and allowing that to happen two years after the Jets won two of their final three games, and blew it going after Trevor Lawrence. Like, they're stuck with this Zach Wilson mess because they wanted to win two of their final three games like idiots. No one remembers the wins. Nobody cares. They're stuck with Zach Wilson. Here's Houston now in a situation where they did the same thing. They won two of their final three games, and now they're going to jeopardize the number one pick. You guys are in a great spot. Pick the guy you like. Trade the pick for more assets. It can't be better in Chicago right now in terms of building for the future.
0: Yeah, and they, and they have more money than any other team. They have about $110 million, so they control the offseason, be it – you know, they're on the clock with the number one pick, and they also have uh, a lot of money to, to go buy some players if they so choose.
3: And quietly, you got to love the fact that Aaron Rodgers is all wishy-washy about what he's going to do with his future. I'll tell you what, the Bears having money, the number one pick, and that guy possibly leaving the division, dare I say, 1985, dare I say. <laughs> wow. You
2: just did, Joe. Okay, they want to get back to the playoffs. They begin this weekend. It's super wild card weekend. Let's get started.
3: All right, I'm going to go in chronological order, and I'll let you know which ones I like more than the others. San Francisco's the first game up, laying 9.5, total of 42, as they're going to host the um, – who are they hosting here? The Seattle, Seattle. Seahawks. Yeah. Probably should have had that note ready for the uh, opening of this conversation. <laughs> Be careful with the weather here. This is the game that's expected to have the worst possible weather. We've seen a lot of under money on this one so far. Rain's in the forecast, wind's in the forecast. I have laid the nine and a half with the Niners. It's one of my favorite bets this weekend. You can give them any weather you want. They're built to play in bad weather. Elite defense, excellent running game. Seattle's been a great story, don't get me wrong, but over the last eight games of the season, they went three and five, beating the Rams twice and the Jets once. They haven't beaten a team with a winning record since October. That was a home game against the Giants, who were playing their third road game in four weeks. The Niners beat them twice this season, both games by eight or more. The Niners have won 10 straight by an average of 16 points per game. I do not see this being all that competitive. Wind is really going to hurt Geno Smith in that offense. and There's not much else they bring to the table, so I will lay it with the Niners. Game number two, Saturday night, Chargers laying two, total of 47 and a half against the Jaguars. A lot of people having trouble trying to figure this game out. I like this game. I'm playing the Jag, or excuse me, Let me be clear, I'm playing the Chargers, I'm laying the points here. I think people have soured on the Chargers because those idiots were in Denver last week playing all their starters for some ridiculous reason, and then everybody's getting hurt. Then this moron coach this week is asked about the Mike Williams injury, and he tells everybody rest is the most important thing. Well, why don't you rewind five days ago, bonehead, and and rest him in that game rather than (laughs) rest him during the week? What are you thinking? Regardless, I think they're in a situation here where styles make fights and this is a bad stylistic matchup for jacksonville all right jacksonville's in a situation where they have a lousy pass defense and the chargers throw the ball more than anybody except tampa bay over 40 attempts per game the jaguars have been better on offense but the charger pass defense has gotten elite in the last eight weeks of the season they've gotten much better i think it's a bad matchup i'll play the chargers Buffalo laying 13-and-a-half, total of 43-and-a-half against Miami. Looks like it's Skylar Thompson. Almost impossible for me to make a case for the Dolphins. I'm going to play a specific prop here. It's the Dolphins' team total. Will they score more or less than 14-and-a-half points? I'm going to go under. I think it's going to get cold. I think Buffalo's going to jump on them early. I think no Tua tunga that team kind of realizes they're a big long shot to win this game and to advance in the playoffs. And I think as it gets cold and the game gets out of hand, they're going to want to get the hell out of there and go on vacation and, and get as far away from Buffalo as possible. I don't see them scoring 15 points with Skylar Thompson. Minnesota laying three, total of 48 and a half against the Giants. I'm going to play big blue here. These two got together three weeks ago in Minnesota. Vikings won by three in a game where the Giants were minus two in turnover differential and three of 11 on third down. You improve that a little bit, you win that game. All right, Minnesota's defense is awful, and the Giants are going to be able to run the ball. They averaged six yards per carry in that first meeting. You can run the ball. You can keep Justin Jefferson on the sidelines. They basically have two weeks to get ready for this game because they rested against Philly last week. So I will play the Giants. Cincinnati, 9.5, total of 40.5 against Baltimore. Bad quarterback situation for the Ravens. I know some guys still lining up on Baltimore if Huntley plays. I think Cincinnati, your best bet here. I don't have a lot going on. Six point teaser. You can go ahead and tease them with the Niners if you want. If you're a big fan of Tampa Bay, you can tease them with the Buccaneers. If you disagree with me and you like the Jags, you can tease them with the Jags. That's the play for me there, not a whole lot of action. And then Monday Night Football, Dallas 2.5, total of 45.5. I'm going to play the under in that matchup. Uh, I, I cannot lay the points with Dallas on the road and turnover machines. Dak Prescott at quarterback. I, I can't take Tampa Bay. They've been terrible this year. They're only in the playoffs because the division stinks. Tampa's offense, 25th in scoring. Tom Brady's the quarterback of a team that has scored 30 points two times in 17 games this season. So I like the under there with the Dallas-Tampa game on Monday.
0: I, I love what you said about the Giants because we have a um, we have a difference of opinion. David seems to think Minnesota's going to win in a rout. Yes. And I'm taking the Giants. Big.
3: Well, Big. I'll tell you what, you, you put those two together – Basically, their records in one-score games and their negative point differentials, which everyone's been talking about all year, these two are a match made in heaven. This is the game that ends civilization as we know it. You can't put these two teams together and expect any sort of uh, normal result. So, yeah, a Minnesota blowout. I'll come on next Friday, David. I, it would not surprise me. A Giants blowout. A tie and they cancel the game they could do that <laughs> i have no idea with these two you never know all season long these these one, they're, they're such anomalies but i do think there's a reason fox put that game exactly where it is that 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 game is has the potential to be the most fun game of the weekend great
0: stuff joe uh, well a lot of texters are reminding us to mention to you that uh, san francisco in the rain Lost to the worst team in the league. That's the right. opener against the Bears was a month uh, yes. Ah, uh,
3: yes. Yes, yes, yes. The game that eliminated me from Survivor. I lasted a, a full 60 minutes this season. Never, never, never. You can't slip one past the good people of Chicago. Thank you, text line. That's, uh, that's exactly how I wanted to end this conversation. <laughs>
2: Thanks, Joe. Great stuff. Joe, you're
0: the best. Love you, fellas. Go Bears. All righty. Bears with all the money and all the picks and all the fun. Just no playoffs.
2: Justin Fields, that was the highlight of his season, he said, beating the yes. San Francisco 49ers. Well,
0: the, the dive in the water. That was it. Yeah, that, that. was wonderful? that was
2: the portrait. That was yeah. the, the yeah. image. That's when things that's when
0: everything seemed possible. Yeah, I know. Even a ten game losing streak to end this.
2: Imagine the character they build up though during that 10 game losing streak.
0: They learned how to win. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, six seven to the score.